Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast, the summer series, featuring discussions by Re and other members of our community as part of Coffee Talk, presented for the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association. To learn more about IDEA, visit ideadance.org. Season 3 for Regold's Dance Life Podcast will be back at the end of summer. Enjoy this bonus Coffee Talk series. Take it away, Ree. I'd like to welcome my co-host today. This is Scott Sesparo. Hello, Scotty. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ree. Good to have you here, my friend. Today's guests, you already know Scott Sesparo, and we will be also bringing in Diane Goudat from Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, we have a great show planned for you today. I'm going to start with you, Scotty. Okay, Scotty, for those who may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend. Um, my name's Scott Sisparo, and I uh, run a dance studio in Old Greenwich, Connecticut. I've been the director there for about mm, 20 years, and the studio's been around for about 32. This is our 32, 32nd season. Um, I grew up dancing. I grew up with competitions, hosting and judging. Uh, my good friend, Ree, is the one who got me started with that whole thing. <laughs> I was thinking before we started today, Scott, 30 years, 40 years, I at hate least. to admit it. Yeah. But at least 30, but it could oh. be closer to 40. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's around 30, yeah. Yep, you were there and I was visiting friends and you just threw the mic, you showed me how to do the tape and put the pen in it and fast forward the tape and said, okay, you put the tape in here and then you just get it ready and then you go and says, here's the microphone, I'm gonna go out and have a cigarette and then you hand me the mic. And I was like, and here's contestant number 200. And all the judges' heads looked at me and I just waved at them and they knew. And I, I haven't stopped announcing since. <laughs> I actually remember that, Scotty. I was like, I think I could turn the microphone over to this guy. You totally did. And we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. You know, it was kind of fun. Yeah, that was the beginning. <laughs> you you were an R. Uh, you were always awesome at your job, my friend. Thanks. I love doing. I like hosting because I can talk to the kids and I talk to the teachers. So it's an in between. You're not that distant judge that you know has to watch everything and do that. And you know, as a host, I do watch, but there's a lot of times that I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say this to everybody, but I'll say it today to everybody in the whole world. I could sleep for three minutes at a time. I could announce a number, give a warm welcome to so-and-so, and then I would close my eyes for three minutes. They'd be taking their bow, and I'd say, thank you, so-and-so. Yeah, oh, you know it. And I can. I know how long dances are. Like, just regular on the music or on the radio or something, I'm like, that's really long. Or you're, you're judging it, you're doing You know how much you can get done, and you pick up the microphone, and I'm like, ooh, this one's really long. <laughs> Okay, I interrupted. Uh, St. Xavier's School of Dance, 30-something years. Yeah, yeah, yep. And it's been, it's this year, as we all know, it's been hard. But for me, this year was really hard when we started. The studio flooded um, and lost all of the floors. And but stuff. wait, and, 
I want to make sure I they understand okay, this. You just put in brand new floors, right? Yes. Um, it yeah, the floor had flooded once, and brand new sprung board, hardwood floors, beautiful. Didn't put the marley down yet. Everything, you know, we had taken it all up, and then uh, before the studio even opened, a week before, uh, it flooded again, and so. I insisted on sprung board floors because it's in the basement of a church. Uh, we have two beautiful rooms, um, but needed to put spring sprung board. And instead of hardwood, we put laminate and the laminate for a while was working because when I rolled out the Marley that we tried to save, it was no good. And uh, then we had tap, I want to call it tap dust because the tap shoes were reacting to the laminate on the floor. So the kids would go out filthy no matter how much we were cleaning. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting this year. The waste. We only started one week late, though. It, it, it started one. We got the people who put the floor in had to rip up the floor. And I just felt so bad for them. And they felt bad for me. It was just. But he was so nice. He said, I have a daughter and I know what it's like. And we want to make sure you're there. And so, it, you know, in the end, it's OK. And we're still going forward. But it's good. You still have, you have those one or two parents who are like, remember that week we started late? Are we going to do a makeup class? And I just want to kill them. But yeah. <laughs> that is the way it goes, my right. friend. I know. So uh, what would you say about your year so far? Is enrollment coming back? Is it stagnant? What's going on within your studio in well, Connecticut? Um, I'm in old Greenwich, Connecticut. So I'm right over the border from New York. So we have, and I didn't realize it, but uh, the families that are there, my existing families, like there's a lot of new families. So a lot of new people. So a lot of my three and four year classes are packed. I have 16 in one. I have 14 in another. I had to start a new class because there were so many. So that's a good problem. Um, yes. my, yeah, it's a great problem with my five and sixes as well. Um, and we're just about to start our new session. We just break it into two just for payment, but it's like a full year. Um, I have new, new people coming in, new people that still want the spaces. And for the first time I've actually put away, if I'm teaching the class, I can teach 20, 24 kids. I don't really care with an assistant. It's fine. Let them, you know, they'll be fine. They listen to me for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, if it's another teacher, I always check with them, but I'm mostly doing all the little kids. So are you going to take students through this whole season? Um, I'll have to stop at some point because the stress of getting the costumes, which hasn't even started for me yet. I'm just starting to measure and I know people, the costumes. Love, uh, you know. I know I've already lost sleep over it. Woke up in the middle of the night. Like, what am I going to do? I think I'm going to have to buy sheets and start making costumes. Out of I sleep. think after this call, you should hang up and begin those orders, my it's friend. Because only happen. then will you know what they don't have available well Do you follow gonna, them? What, if whatever those costumes are those kids are going to look pretty and if i need to put them in different costume for each one that's what's going to be and if i need to pull out all the extra ones that are in the back that i have i'm going to do that too <laughs> oh this is a potpourri year everyone gets to wear whatever they want all right i like it that's something everybody can take home we're gonna it's have a potpourri year right yeah that's what my recital be potpourri Yes, you can wear your hair any way you want. No, 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 that absolutely not. Okay, not quite that much. Just costumes. Whatever costume I give you, that's the one you're wearing. 
So, Scotty, I'm excited that we have Diane here. Oh, wait, I just want, this is a comment that's going to make you feel really good. This is from Pam. Yikes, we ordered in November, and some aren't coming until May. I just just thought I'd give you that little comment there. Thank you, Pam. Yeah, my show's in May before Memorial Day, so literally I'm going to seriously take whatever they have. (laughs) Let's see if we can't get our viewers to help you with this costume order, Scotty. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would love that. Okay. As I said, we're bringing in Diane Goutard. Miss Diane, how are you, my friend? I am great, Ree. How are you? I am doing really well. Um, For those, well, actually, tell us a little bit about yourself, Miss Diane Goutard, for the two people who may not know who you are. (laughs) <laughs> well, like you said, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, which is far from the hub of the dance world, but we really, really try. Um, I had a studio for almost 30 years, um, which I sold to a student, and I continued to work there for another 12 or 13 years until I took myself off the schedule so I could enjoy a little bit of uh, travel, which we really, really love to do. And uh, now I've been invited back. So I taught acro last night for two hours. I have a tap a permanent tap slot on Thursdays now and uh it's okay but the best part about it is when I when I don't want to be there I just simply say I cannot and that's just uh, a wonderful wonderful thing but uh the studio's still doing really well and I'm there and I'm happy that it's alive and being a part of it still yes I want to ask you about that I have a lot to ask you but I want for those that are watching studio owners especially How did you get the confidence to say, okay, I'm selling my studio or I'm moving on? What was... Well, part of that, you know, life always kind of determines those kind of things. For me, it was my my daughter, Caitlin, who is still a wonderful teacher and convention teacher like myself, pretty much jumped into my shoes and followed them. Um, But she left for college, for dance college. And one of it was a really, really strong group of kids that graduated that year. They all went to dance school, one to the Juilliard, my daughter to school. And honestly, to go in and turn the key on the next season was very, very difficult because I kind of felt like I had done my best and most important work. Um, and so it was like a, a, a turnstile in my life that I had some choices to make. Um, and I knew that I either wanted the studio to stay alive with a student that I had raised or close the door. Mind you, I was renting, so there wasn't a building to sell. So that's also a thought. Um, and uh, God has a sense of humor because my my uh, lease was up at the end of that next year. So I I had a year to decide if this feeling was real. And it really was. And I, I honestly didn't ever want to... I'm not going to say I didn't want to own a studio, but I didn't love owning a studio. I love teaching. And I love, uh, I love teaching on the road. I love teaching teachers to teach specifically. That's, it's a, a huge love of mine. And I found that I was constantly juggling. And I'm also a mother of two daughters, one that was not a dancer. And so you know, she deserves some of my time as well. <laughs> she does? She does. <laughs> she still does. Yeah. She's so fun. Yeah. That that's a good thought for everybody who's viewing right there. That was a word of wisdom from Diane Goudat. <laughs> We're not gonna get a lot, so cling on to them when you hear them. <laughs> Di- 
I have one follow-up to that. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to go into your own, well, your former studio and accept changes or adjustments? No. Or... For me, it was not, simply because I made the choice that I was either going to sell to a student or not sell at all. So I had an inherent respect from her because she, I raised her and she knew who I was and what I deserved and what I was capable of and, and the valuable tool I was to her. My, my statement to her was that if I see something different, um, I'm not going to say anything unless you ask me about it. I will assume it was a decision that you made. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut unless you ask me. But I always have the ability to uh, comment in private to you if I feel like you need it. And I had a couple times over the years, you know, said, wait a minute, I don't like what I see. Can you explain to me what's going on? I mean, um, I've, and I've known Diane forever, and she's told me, she's like, I walked in the studio and this happened, and says, it wasn't a choice I would make, but it's something different, and it's not mine anymore. So, and she's fine with it. She just moves on and it's like, okay, it's not mine anymore. That's their choice. So, yeah, I was very, very confused the first time the child handed me an envelope. I had no idea it was a paycheck. <laughs> child handed you that paycheck? Yes, she'll always be a child to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. The, the owner handed me a paycheck and I went, oh, well, you know, I didn't realize. So I got it home and opened it up. But it was actually a paycheck with the name of the studio at the top. And it was like, oh, so that's well, what that feels like. And, and, and tell them too, Diane, that you have grandchildren now that you bring to the Oh, so now I'm the dance lobby. She's the lobby. I take my grandchildren because my daughter's teaching down the hallway. So now I put the kids in the leotard, put the hair up, go to the studio, forget to take them to the bathroom, put the leotard on backwards. She did the leotard backwards. She did the horrible stuff. I sit in the office with the and and the lobby with the other moms. It's freakish. It's a complete, and I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I, I gotta ask you, since Scott brought it up, what's it like being a grandma, my friend? Um, at first, it was a little shocking because I didn't think I was old enough to do that. The kids call me Mimi. They never call me Grandma. Um, but it's been interesting because I found that while I had my own children, and my husband, luckily, is incredibly domestic and a great guy and and uh, uh, had a big hand in raising them, I was very busy when they were little. And I'm not as busy now. So I'm able to kind of redo, not really redo, because they're not the same kids, but revisit that, be a little bit more relaxed with them. Um, it's interesting. You know, you always see the world differently through children's eyes whenever they're around. And it's, uh, I'm a good Mimi. I'm good at it. I'm a good Mimi. I think you're <laughs> a good Mimi. <laughs> How many grandchildren are we talking? Because I know it happened fast. I have five at the time. Um and uh, I'm sure there will be more. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, they all live very close to me and they're here quite a bit. Um, like I said, I have them on Wednesdays and Thursdays when I'm not teaching because I'm the dance mom. So I take them to dance class and that's what I do now at my own studio, which I'm glad is the studio is still alive for them. So, you know. That's yeah, but she also does when they can't make class, she does do a private lesson of tapping their back in their private tap from me in my home studio yes I do. <laughs> let's not go there i don't want to get anybody in trouble or anything much. Yeah. your kids are taking private lessons elsewhere that's not good <laughs> oh, 
well, you know, it's me, so it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Scotty, what do you know about Diane that's something that you'd like to uh, share with everybody that we can have a good... Well, I, you know, I, I know it's fascinating because I just think people think it's fascinating what her father did and what her husband did what or did for work. Oh, we're going there. Okay. Tell yeah, everybody. I, think, I mean, I do think that's fascinating because I, I actually do too. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my father was a, a mortician and built his own funeral home. And when my husband, um, graduated from high school and he worked at a couple other jobs and we were married very young. I was 20. He had just turned 21. So um, very early on and, and my dad was a mentor to him and he decided that he wanted to be a funeral director. So he went away to Mortuary College. You have to do two years of regular college and then you go to, to Mortuary College and he did all that and worked at and ran my dad's funeral home for 38 years. Um, and he still works there. He's much like me. He sold it and he still works there. So we both work at our own businesses when we're home and we want to. So, you know, people, I, I don't consider myself retired because I still work almost every weekend. I just don't work at the studio all the time. And he goes in when he's home and, um, you know, it keeps I, I, I still think that's fascinating. And you used, and you lived there for a while. There was an apartment. We lived there for a while. Now we live a half mile in between the Hi, studio. Julie. Yeah, Julie Lama Kazoo. Hi, Julie. In between the two uh, businesses, we're right in the middle, less than a half a mile from both. We can walk both ways. Okay, I have to say it because I've said it to you so many times. I could see a studio in a funeral home and it's like dance till you drop, you know? Like... <laughs> well, I have to say, every time I had a soloist that needed pictures taken, they were taken at the funeral home under the lights. And for my New England friends who, who a lot of uh, funeral homes are old Victorian houses and stuff, that's not what it's like in Indianapolis. It's a big, no, this looks like a ski lodge. It's, it's about 140 feet long. It's, it looks like a ski lodge. It's made out of uh, Indiana limestone. And it, and it could be a dance studio. I mean, the rooms are huge with dividers that you could open up. <laughs> I have had rehearsal in there before, and I always took headshots in there because the lighting is fantastic. <laughs> I actually, why I got that dance till you drop thing is people from New England may remember a guy named Cardinal Spellman. And he had built a home in, was it Winthrop? No, Whitman, Massachusetts, that eventually became a funeral home. And I went and looked at that property for a studio, and that's where I first got the dance till you drop yeah, guns. It's a little bit bizarre. Um, my husband was on a sponsored a triathlon team. It was called Try Till You Die, and uh, we also sponsored a, a demolition derby car. So. <laughs> okay, Diane. <laughs> You're an. Um, need, um, uh, I need a sip of my coffee. <laughs> You're an author. I am, yeah. A multiple, multiple. Author. Multiple author. Yes, Tell our viewers about your writing and well, what you're passionate about. Um, when it comes to dance, um, I do not have a dance degree. Um, and in the beginning, I was looking. It was a uh, definite choice to write a book about acrobatics in a way to prove what was inside my head. So it, 
trying to break into the teaching circuit specifically, um, trying to do that and trying to prove that I knew what I knew. So creating this book and showing this knowledge in written form um, was a little bit of a replacement for a dance degree at the time. And recalling that I'm a little bit older and dance degrees were not as common or as easy to get at that point, nor were they as uh, uh, inclusive as they are now. So to go and get the uh, degree was not in the cards for me. Um, so wrote the acro book that went over well and lo and behold, started getting jobs teaching acro, um, which is a little bit dangerous to do on the road, to be honest. I really um, uh, applaud the people that go to convention and teach acro because you have a room full of, I don't know who you are, you know? So I started to get to the point where I said, yes, I will come and teach acro because acro teachers are few and far between. And I knew that that's why I decided to do the door with the acro first to try to get in the door with acro. I said, sure, I'll do that, but you have to let me teach a tap class as well. And that started to go, and eventually I was able to kind of let go of the acro on the road. Although, like I said, I just caught it last night. Um, but, um, you know, it, it was just one of those calculated decisions. And so that went well. So then we wrote the book. I had always collected time steps, trying as a young teacher. I was always about where does everybody get these steps? Because I was not raised by a strong tap teacher. And my whole life I was in search of where these people get this stuff. How can I go get these steps? And I would go to New York and I would take class and I would do all these things, but, but still it's like all these. So I would collect them. I have every step that I ever, I've ever put on my feet in written form someplace. Yeah. He's shaking his head. He knows. Yes, yeah. she does. Um, I throw nothing away. And like, if I took a class from somebody, I've got it. Yeah. So I in, still in the search of trying to be good enough to have the right stuff, to have all that stuff, because I always felt like I missed out on that, that training a little bit. And I'd always collected time steps. So I thought, well, this is bizarre. I have hundreds of time steps and I, I have come up with this way to make them. And I realized um, in just in teachers training schools and things like that, just teaching people regular time steps that they did not know that there was a lot of missing information that I could give to them. So I wrote the time step book that went over really well. And I ended up doing a, a, a book on music theory because come to find out most people teaching tap do not know or know little or nothing about music theory, which I find to be bizarre. So I thought it's so easy. Why can't I just share what I do? Because I rather have fun than beat things into kids. So that that book came along and then the next one came along and not, now there's, I believe, seven. Diane, an author of seven books. Go ahead, Scotty. And she's working on another one. Yeah. What's it currently in the works? Um, it's a it's a interactive dictionary for tap. It's got, right now we've got about twelve hundred and fifty steps, and they will all be available to be seen. Ooh, how cool is that? Diane, I'm not doing a sales pitch here, but how could somebody find out a little bit about your books? Um, the books and the products, I also have two decks of cards. One deck is, has 52 concepts. The other deck has 52 cramp rolls. But they're Which is fantastic, Diane. I'm sorry, to, but I use them at the studio all the time when I'm last. I give each kid it, and they have to figure it out, and then they have to show it yeah. and teach it to each, all, each other. They really are fantastic. They're yeah, fantastic. they're fun because you just, I know, when you don't feel like it or you've got a sub, you can say get out the cards, and they, they do them pretty well. But it, I have a website, dianegoodot.com. Dot com and there's a tab at the top with teachers things and you can go see it there yeah 
So do you see this comment here from Heather? Is it Kirstead Stevens? Yeah. You were all bringing back uh, to ADA competitions back in the day because yeah, we, we were the original crew. We were the original crew. I'd like to go there for a minute. Yeah. One of my Did, favorite parts of my life was that time. What What was one of the uh, most funniest memories that you can remember, Diane, as being a host? <laughs> and and um, then I'll tell you one of mine, but I think you guys might have been there when it happened. Go ahead. I, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say the kid in the, and the speaker. The kid who flipped over the speaker. Yes, that wasn't where I was going to go, but I'll tell that now that you said it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there were so many uh, just, just things that you don't even want to remember from the wet spots on the stage to projectile vomiting to, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like like Sinead's done during that Ever. process. Ever. Um, things thrown from the stage. Can I just say now, don't throw things at us. Don't throw things at judges. Don't do that. Um, but that I remember we, we were watching one time a can-can number, and I'm going to tell you that I am specifically allergic to feathers. Not the feathers, but the stuff that you see in the air from feathers. I, like, I'm allergic to it. I have to have Benadryl when I see that happening. So can-can number, great big boas. I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So I'm seeing the air fill up with these little pieces of feather. By the way, if you put hairspray on those things, that doesn't happen. But anyway, so this is going through the air. And the first thing they do is throw the boas at us. So I end up with a boa on my table. And like it's I'm not over your coffee, but right. yeah. And then they take off gloves and throw them at us. And then they actually take off the can-can skirt and throw that at us. Our coffee is everywhere. Things are everywhere. One of the judges I looked down, I think it was Craig North. I think Craig was underneath the skirt. He's putting the skirt people. And if it had been a really good can-can, but it, it was not on top of it all. So yeah, that, I mean, those things are memorable. I've done a lot of wait, and then wait, then you had we had to get Benadryl for you. We had a fine Benadryl. Last season, yes. Being the special awards judge, I was looking down writing special awards using the break while somebody was setting something up and I'm got my head down and I'm writing and I'm writing. And I look up and the entire stage is full of white feathers. Oh and yeah, music, that was last the year. The music started and I went, Oh no. Oh no. So I go through this whole thing and luckily it took them a while to clean up. Meanwhile, I run over to my friends from Wakefield School of Dance who always seem to have everything in their purse. And I said, guys, I need Benadryl and I need it immediately. So I'm going back to my seat, please. She said, oh, I have it in the car. So not very long after that, this envelope is slid across my desk and inside of the Benadryl and that's how it goes. So now I travel with Benadryl, but yeah. How about you? That feather number happened to be good though. So yeah. it's all good. Yes, if you're gonna do a feather number, everybody, please make it a good one. And have Benadryl, just in case. <laughs> yes, and, and carry Benadryl and a can of spray. Uh, hairspray. Hairspray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look at look at all we just learned today wow, about how to yeah. use feathers within our choreography. Spray those babies with hairspray before. How cool on. is that? Scotty, what's one of your funniest? Oh, I totally have to tell you. We were in Florida, and there was a Ghostbusters number on stage. And they were dressed in the modern bags, white modern bags, and dancing around. And 
was a ton. It was a production number. Well, the I'm post- yeah, with the stretch bags inside, so you can't really see. Well, I'm off to the side. Judges are all to my right, and all of a sudden, a child literally fell off the stage. It wasn't far; it was short. It was a look, but she kind of tumbled down the stairs. So, of course, I run over, and like someone else run over, and you don't want her to be frightened. You don't want, you know. I was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And ripping the bag off. Are you okay? She's like, "Yes," and I'm like, "Go back." go back and dance. And so we threw her back on the stage and she finished through and the judges were laughing and I was laughing. Well, it was so funny that, I mean, she was fine. She was not hurt. Nothing was broken, but I just didn't want her to be in shock and sit there and cry because she was young enough that I could have gone either way. Threw her back on stage. Well, that video ended up being like the highlight. Everyone wanted to see it. We had a we had to stop the video out in the lobby because we were, but that was one of that. I mean, I have many, but that is one of the ones I will never forget. Yeah. We've rewatched a number of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we can't like, did that happen? Oh, oh, I know another one. I, we were in, I think you might, I, I was in uh, Massachusetts and I was a dance number was on middle of a blizzard snowstorm. We should not, we should have canceled. Everything was closed. I mean, I'm a lot of no, there were a lot of competitions in oh, those days. It going. should have been closed. Hey, if kids are there, you're just going to keep dancing. I will never forget it. I said, <laughs> I said, um, I announced the number. I said, um, uh, bring on the light, and then all of a sudden, all of the power went out in the entire film. I was there. And it was before like really like cell phones, but it was cell phones. And so we're like, I'm yelling at the, I, you know, my announcer yelling just loud teacher voice because the kids are screaming. I'm like, stop screaming. Everyone, you know, yelling, be quiet. We're good. We're good. He says, okay, just sit down where you are. The kids kept dancing on the stage. I'm like, stop dancing. Stop dancing. Ended up asking the teachers if they wanted me to do awards for what we had we did i released each class each studio one at a time because everything was starting to get dark and then after it was done i just sat down and i cried because it was just so much anxiety that you know it's like i can handle any problem crisis but every crisis i just fall apart so it was just like give me anything i can make it happen but then afterward i'm just a mess so yeah bring on the light and then nothing and then nothing Diane Kelly was there. Diane Kelly remember that because I remember she was one of those people that were there. Yeah, it was funny. Your cat's behind you now. I think it's Lucy. There she is. Yeah. Oh, you can tell the difference, Diane. Yeah, she knows the difference. Yeah. Okay, here is, I'm going to tell the Diane story real fast, the one you brought up. So, hosting a competition in Rhode Island, uh, Hope Spec Studio, and a girl comes out and she does round up back handspring back handspring back handspring back handspring back handspring and there is a speaker laying on the corner of the stage over the stairs or at the top of the stairs she back handsprings over the speaker She's now on her hands on a stair with her legs like dangling like this. Now I'm laughing because when I see stuff like that, I laugh. Okay. So I am not a good person to run up and, you know, be that medical emergency because I have to get over what I just saw. So she flips over the speaker. We close the curtain. All my judges run up to go help this girl. I run out in the parking lot and can't stop laughing because of what I just saw. But wait, 
Okay, so that's that. I won't forget it ever. Two weeks later, we go to a different dance competition that my brother's kids are in. We're outside, we come back in and the curtain is closed. And I'm looking around, I go, what happened? They go, oh, a girl just fell down. Okay, so they closed the curtain. And I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if it's one of Rennie's kids or whatever. So I wander backstage. Laying on the floor is the girl who flipped over the speaker two weeks before. And her, listen, two weeks before, they took her out in an ambulance. Oh, jeez. The mother is backstage going, make sure she's hurt before you call an ambulance. It cost me $280 last time, and she's going on this whole race. So I, I looked at the little girl, and I think it was Hope that was there. I go, maybe she should start center stage, look right, look left, and just do something simple. It happened. I mean, there are so many weird moments, you know, and, and some of them are just a tiny moment when you think, did I just see what I saw? Did that and just like, happen? And it's just kids being kids. Like, you know, I think that's part of the cool part about dance training is the fact that they are learning to do something, anything, rather than- <laughs> That's true, anything. And, and, and teachers, if you're going to do five guys named Mo, don't put two other kids in it, because that's seven There's guys that named seven Mo. seven kids named Mo. It happens all the time. <laughs> I had it. It was five guys named Mo. We need to do it again. Who actually never went to class, and they stood on the side and didn't even snap their fingers at the same time. It was I didn't. I was so confused. Yeah. And Re, I remember this one. Re, you were hosting, and it was way back in the day that it was like started a competition started on a Wednesday, and it was a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, Saturday. It got to Sunday. It was a senior farewell piece to Bridge Over Troubled Water that Kelly Canone did. And it starts off with the music. And then all of a sudden you hear, I've had you. It was her talking underneath. I've watched you grow up since you were three. And this, and by the end of the number, all, Diane, were you there at that one? Was that one? It, sobbing. All of the judges, we had to stop. We stopped the competition. We had to leave the room. We were sobbing. But yeah, it's just, I, there's things that you never forget yeah. when you're there. Yeah, there are moments like certain songs belong to certain kids that I would never choreograph to again because that song is theirs. Why, you can't, just can't touch it. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But just weird little moments where kids do what they do just to survive, you know, and they, you know, costumes that pop and, you know, all, all the different things. And a lot of it too has to do with um, uh, like weird setups for me anyway. Sorry. Weird setups where they have... Um, like, for example, one time a lady turned a Coke bottle, like one of those two liter Coke bottles into a pig, painted it to look like a pig and put it in the middle of the stage and took forever dragging out the string that would go to backstage. And out comes this kid and she does this little farm number. Uh, the pig never does anything. The pig never moves. So I'm like waiting for this Coke bottle pig to move. The whole time, like, what, what's going on? And eventually the dance finishes and the pig starts to move. And the little kid chases the pig off stage. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, isn't that adorable? I'm like, 
what's oh what's she gonna do with the pig? Answer the pig, and instead of watching the kid dance the entire time, I'm like, oh, and so what's up with the pig? What's happened with the pig? <laughs> so yeah, it's you know it's amazing with when I work with Diane, which we get to work a lot together. Although sometimes we don't because we're you know too funny and we get in trouble, but. Um, she's brilliant when it comes to special awards because she remembers every number without, without like writing things down. She really remembers numbers and does the specials that way. And, and it's sincere. She would never give an award to someone that doesn't deserve it. It's always heartfelt and, and it's a learning experience. It's not just, Oh, great lipstick or Ooh, great hair. It's always, this is what your arabesque needs to look like because look at how her foot is and her supporting leg. And so it's an education for the audience and parents. You're welcome. We, I love when you do that. And I've learned things when I get to do specials cause I, you know, base it on what she does. Um, but she's brilliant when it comes well, to doing, I think too, you know, there's, there's this, the, the, Thing that I like to do is be the buffer between when somebody's award is called. It's a gold. Maybe maybe you thought you were going to get the ultimate gold. Maybe it's a silver and you're not quite sure why. And you've been given that award and you're sitting there and the parents are over there. And mind you, the parents are the larger problem. So I feel like I'm that buffer between the color that they got and the return to the audience, to the parents. And maybe I can shed some light on, first of all, why what happened happened. And maybe I can find a few more kids that are going to go back to their seat with a little bit more than maybe the silver that they got. A little bit of encouragement. But I think it also, if you give an educated special award, it indicates the panel itself, the entire panel is educated and we care about uh, where the numbers are coming from. You, you, you bring up a good point. There has to be a value in every presentation. You can't just look at a, a group and say there's, there's no award for them, so I'm going to make something up. No, I don't do that. And, and that, that degrades the special awards. I will agree, and I'm sure all of our viewers who know this, you are one of the best I have ever seen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, it's a job I really love to do. It's, it's Like I said, I feel like I've spent a lifetime um, educating myself and, and doing the research required to, to judge ballet, tap, jazz, modern, acro, underwater, basket, weaving, all of it, you know? And, and I think that it's, a, uh, I don't know, I feel a, a, a responsibility in there. And I've had, you know, I've done it for quite a while now. I've had a lot of people come and tell me, you know, I've, uh, one a judge from last year told me my mom has what you said to me on my senior year. It's framed in my kitchen. I'm like going, yeah. so this matters to people. It, it does yeah. matter to people. What you say, and especially as a judge sitting there, people don't, they're grasping for the whys sometimes. Or, you know, when you recognize that kid that, that has the soul of a dancer, really showed me that they dance you know, because they love to dance. That's as important to me as, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel a huge responsibility to be intelligent when I'm handed a microphone, to represent a company in a way that they deserve to be represented and to, uh, to just, just to bring kids, uh, let them know that we know what we're talking about. And, and and with that being said, to, to agree with Diane, she's still learning. She like hasn't decided that 
Mm. I'm done. I'm not going to learn anymore. She really is like she was just in the city and she went to the library to find out information about scoring and found extra information. She's always eager to keep in taking in more information. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a responsibility. If I'm going to continue to judge, it's a responsibility. Okay, so you bring up a couple points there that I would like to reiterate. Our words, now you're talking about it from a judge's perspective, but I'm going to take us into the classroom and say the words that we say to our dancers matter way more than sometimes we perceive. Right, right. And that we need to always be aware that are we going to create a moment that this child will remember forever in a positive way? <laughs> or are we going to create a moment where this child will lose a tidbit of their confidence? So words matter was my oh, point. Very, very much so. I mean, last night, like I said, I taught Acro last night. The girl kept doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I had to, to use some words of wisdom to explain to her that doing it more is not going to make that better. We need to open our ears and we need to, to, to go through the checklist of the things that we've talked about. And, and you know, you, you have to, yeah, it's, it's a, there's, there's many, many ways to teach, but we're not really teaching dance. What we're doing has nothing to do with dance in the end product. Because and, and, one out of 500 of our kids is going to be that kid we go see on Broadway or we visit in college. I mean, those, those kids are rewarding, yes. And that's wonderful, but very few of them actually do that. And I'm going to reiterate that I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. So we are building intelligent theater goers, uh, people who are excited about the arts, but mostly we're sending that kid away who's going to have the confidence to get that college scholarship because they were able to go through an, uh, an uh, interview or the kid that's going not going to fall apart um, in a business situation because something didn't go well. I mean, we're laughing about the kids that are making things up on stage. You make things up then for the rest of your life. You're able to do that mm. for the rest of your life. You know, it's, I mean, but I think most, most teachers know that we know that we're not, I mean, we are teaching dance. The vehicle is dance, but that has in the end, so little to do with it. And, and so many times too, we don't know this Sometimes you don't know that random student that shows up with the hair a mess or the leotard that's dirty or the tights that are dirty or the child that's on stage. You don't know if that's their one escape that they're getting away from from a terrible home life or something that's not right. And and it was just came to truth for me. I had a child who showed up late and was always dirty and was a mess. And I always had her put her hair in, in a ponytail and end up finding that they were going through a bad divorce. And I've treated that child differently now, knowing that. And I tried to change my approach again to remember what why kids are there. You have no idea why a child is in yeah, your classroom. I mean, like I said, old enough now that I'm starting to get letters from adults, you know, adult, like 30, 40 year old students or run into them at the grocery store or whatever. And I, I had a, a dancer, a beautiful black girl, just just beautiful, beautiful girl. Had no idea she was struggling as much as she was in her white high school. No idea. She seemed so confident, so she was just a gorgeous dancer. And come to find out that the studio was the only place that she felt equal at. She felt like it was a place that she she was safe and, and happy, and I had no idea. I, I mean, she was like a homecoming queen, all of that. Had no idea that it was difficult for her. Um, I think I think that's going on 
a lot more. I don't know how we got into this serious conversation. <laughs> but it's a going on a lot more, I was going to say, than we know. It's going, we know it. A lot is going on in our kids' minds right now. Oh, yeah. And I, I, did, I did a convention a couple of weeks ago. Great convention. It was Ohio Dance Masters. They're, they're always great. And it was a great experience. <laughs> but we were talking about the kids and this mask thing. And their faces, some of them have kind of atrophied from lack of use underneath this mask. It's There's like a, actually a physical and I think emotional atrophy that's happening in the face from kids who have had this covered. And I wow. think that, um, you know, people are fascinated now with mouths. We didn't, we don't see mouths. <laughs> you know, okay. I think it's a big deal. But I mean, now you can that Anyway, well, I don't know way. why I laughed at that. Yeah, I'm going to have to look more closely at the mouths that I see. But, I don't think know, I was. There's this atrophy now, you know, trying to get the kids to um, come back to their expressiveness. Agreed. And, and you can see them feel it when they're dancing. They are feeling it. They need it. They feel it. But it's not coming out here as much. That's been my my biggest thing in the last season, and, and I've already judged almost, I would say, 2,000 kids since September. And it's a, it's a running thing. You can see that they feel it, but that for some reason, this is not happening anymore. We already had that kind of teenage angsty thing going anyway, but I, I, I think it's... Uh, for the last 12 years. Yes, even more so. Um, but yeah, I, I think the kids have been really affected, and I think that they're happy to be out of their house. Agreed. I think they're happy to, you know, I see a lot less uh, nitpicking amongst the kids because I think they're just happy to be with each other. Okay, we're going to start winding down, but I want to I want to say that on this subject, we as teachers have to be more aware and adjust how we teach and our expectations. Oh, absolutely to where the kids are at now because this isn't like we're going to have magic words to turn this around we must learn how to adjust to what the kids are feeling and thinking and discover ways to make breakthroughs right i think we have to uh it has to be more fun we need to be more entertaining because it's it's you know I've always felt like this. If, if kids have an aptitude, they're going to retain that aptitude. It's like a math aptitude in math. They're going to retain it. So if you slow down a little bit and worry a little bit less about what they're getting, what how much better are they this year, maybe this year is about the fun. Maybe this year is about a game. Maybe this year isn't so much about, not that you want to ease up on the technique, mind you, no, 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 but but maybe that shouldn't be. The, the thing. Maybe we should do more theater face work. Maybe we should, but it, I think it has to be more fun for them because right now it's an escape as much as anything else. It's an escape. And, and you can see it in their face when they come in the door. Um, we're still taking temperatures. We're still wearing masks. Um, but you can see it when they come in the door that they're happy to be there. Um, uh, can I hug you? My answer is always, of course you can hug me. Yes. You know, I'm vaccinated every way I can be vaccinated. Yeah, come come get me, you know? Um, just because they, they, they don't get to do that all day, you know? But fun, 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 fun first. Fun first. 
And it's easy to do that. Games in the classroom are easy to make up. Just, just use your creativity a little bit more. Keep props in your room. Keep everything that you need. If it looks like fun, buy it. Bring it to the studio. Think about what to do it when you see it next. But your room, my, my room is always a mess when I'm done. There's stuff all over the floor. There's writing all over the mirror. There's chalk on the floor. There's chalk on the kids. Just because it's fun. It's fun, you know? It's time. Ta- it's it's time. I think uh, yes, things have changed, and our expectations were higher prior to the pandemic. But maybe it should have been more fun the whole time. That's all I, I want to say. So. I kind of think so, and I think that I've said this before that this whole COVID thing is the ability to hit that reset button and to quit. Quit trying to outdo yourself all the time. Quit trying to outdo the recital. It needs to be better, better, better. Well, we've been, we've come from the park to the to the garage, to the wherever we're having recitals, to to here's a QR code, use your phone. So we've scaled down. And and I think we can hit the reset button now and start over. And maybe we don't need to climb to that mountain of um eight thousand dollars worth of new lights and that. 200 page program and the we do we is that dance really is that what the parents are there for and aren't you selling to your own client at that point so maybe maybe we can just hit the button and say you know what let's go let's be simple let's be little house on the prairie instead of <laughs> walmart, oh my God. walmart blue light sale <clears throat> can we can we can we just accept that this is okay this way it's fine it's fine and go back to the roots of what your mother and my grandmother and other people did out of their homes and and the the simplicity of that the basic sweet simplicity of it and uh if we're going there we we really do have to wind down but i had a feeling this was we'll come back another time (laughs) the if i think of my mother's teaching and i think back to having memories of her teaching. I have more memories of her sitting on the floor with a group of babies singing at the top of her lungs because back in that day, every student mattered. Mm-hmm. Not because this is before competition, right. right? She'd look around that room and that would be her income and that would be, she has to bring joy to those kids. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, I mean, I think if, if, if we leave anything from everything, it's, it's just that word joy, try to find it again. Right. It was lost for a year or so. And we're very stressed, uh, especially the owners. Very stressed. I was never so glad I sold my studio in all my life. Yeah. Um, but I, they're all warriors. And I think maybe sometimes we just need to stop and find that, you know, as Christmas season, all of that stuff. But, but uh, just the simple joy of teaching children and, and, laughing with them and hugging them and and just taking a moment and and sometimes not worry so much about syllabus and and all of that kind of thing and just just do and be grateful for the gift and that you can pass the gift on yeah absolutely absolutely all right i'm gonna wrap this up scotty got some words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our viewers today on coffee talk when as a a studio director and a teacher and a judge and a host just remember you just keep putting one foot in front of the other other 
and um, make sure you have a best friend like Diane that when it seems that things are getting very dark and you're getting lost and remember you can call her or you can call any one of your friends and know that you are not the only one that that happened to and remember that there's all these people an idea at least that it's happened to and it'll be okay it will be great so yeah, yeah. and it's she saved me quite a few times i just needed her yesterday to help me write an email i'm like what can i say in this email and she totally like and send sent it done so it yeah you need someone like diane or someone in your you know back pocket that will help you yeah and miss diane final words of wisdom wow um i, I i'll just say something that, that maybe you need to hear is that um I have decided to take time for myself and my family and my husband, and I have not regretted a moment of it. Um, I, I don't apologize for it. I don't explain it. I simply take it. And I, I, I travel quite a bit now, and it, it was a, a, a concentrated decision to do that. Wait, I'm sorry, but we didn't even go into detail that she, her husband and her, they both bought a van and renovated the van and they travel around now in a van all over the United States. I have a conversion van. Yes, that's one of the things. But um, do it. Whether it's a day that you do not allow anybody to talk to you. I used to have a day like that, that don't call me on Wednesday. Um, If I call you, if I need you, I'll call you. But you better damn well be in the hospital dying to call me on Wednesday. You know, and you need to set those boundaries and you need to take time for yourself and your family because those times go by. And and, um, if people don't understand, there's another person that will replace that person at your studio. So don't be afraid to let people go that don't agree with what it is that you need to do with your life. Yeah. You just, your final words of wisdom are like uh, three sessions that we should have and talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 